What up, what up, film fans? This is Beer, Bourbon, and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 80. 80. The Oscar episode. The Oscar. We got a jam-packed episode for you. We have a lot of movies to review today. We're going to review Tar, Babylon, The Banshees of Ish... What is it? Inishirin. Inishirin. And also... Oh, God. What is this movie? It is. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Tawana Pettis, welcome back. Yes, present. Welcome back. Yes, yes, we're here. We got a full house today. Yes, yes. (laughs) So much to talk about. Yes, yes. Let's talk about these drinks a little bit. You're going to talk about these drinks because I'm excited to jump into interesting news because I feel like I want to rip a new one. (laughs) Yes. And we we did something special today. We made some uh, cocktails. Yes, we made cocktails. I'm excited Mm because I never make a cocktail. And she gets, she made a beer cocktail for us. I did. I'm excited. Tell us about it. All right. So I wanted something celebratory and something fun. Um, and maybe this is not specifically Oscar themed, but it is celebratory. So mine is called Sweet Kentucky Moon. It is Blue Moon's version of um, their celebrati- cele- celebration, celebratory. celebratory drink for uh, Kentucky Derby. But, you know, I figure, you know, it's a nice celebratory drink. And it was one of the ones I liked. So it had all my favorites in it. So, of course, we've done Blue Moon before. You know, Blue Moon's out of Colorado. Everybody knows it's a Belgian white. Wheat ale. You know I love my wheats. Love a heifer. This is not a heifer. But very similarly crafted. Um, And, you know, if you don't know Blue Moon, you know, Blue Moon is made with Valencia orange peels. It's got coriander. It's got... um, uh, coriander orange peel in this Belgian style ale version of a Belgian white, but it's very tasty, very easy to drink. It's about, about 5.6 ABR, APR, ABV, sorry. Um, yes. And so anyway, so basically what we did is we followed the recipe because I was new to the cocktail of the beer situation. So it's, you know, it's about five ounces of sweet iced tea. You got about it. An ounce of uh, lemon juice. You got like one, one and a half of bourbon, um, which is also Vaughn's favorite. Six ounces of Blue Moon and a little lemon garnish. It was not hard to make. Very tasty. But because of the orange peel, I would substitute this lemon juice for orange juice. And I would put orange garnish in it like they normally put in your Blue Moon. Uh, at a bar or whatever. Um, but it's very tasty and it's nice. You know, you, you put it on top and you give it a nice little gentle stir mm-hmm. at the end. It was yummy. <laughs> it was tasty. Yeah. I like that you added a little bit of extra tea yes, to it. And, and I can see the, also, the association yes. with the lemon because you associate lemon and tea together. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. But, but to complement the beer, I think, see, they're Belgian. 
there are Belgian whites or Belgian wits, as they call them, that do require a bit of lemon. But this one in particular, because of the orange peel zest, whenever you put orange in a blue moon, I promise you it will change your life. It changes the flavor of it. It, it, it. it pulls out the nuances of the of the orange peel. And it really highlights that coriander that's in there. I mean, I, I don't hate on a blue moon because a blue moon, nice and cold, really refreshing, goes down easy and so tasty. Um, you can find blue moon everywhere, nice, everywhere, nice. which is why I just, you know, I felt like blue moon was a nice accessible beer to make a cocktail with. Right. Um, but this was fun. So, yeah, that's my Oscar drink. Very nice. <laughs> it's a good drink. I also did a celebratory drink. I'm using Brothers Bond, which is a drink a bourbon created by the the gentleman from uh, Vampire Diaries and the originals and uh, Ian Summerholder and uh, Paul Wesley. They were brothers on the show and mm-hmm. they always drank mm-hmm. bourbons on the show. And so they decided to create their own bourbon brand, which mm-hmm. I actually want to do. Yes. And um, so I decided to use that. It's, it's, it's a good bourbon. It's um, it's American bourbon. It's, filtered everywhere and, and produced everywhere in the in the US and it's coming from Arizona actually but mm. it they say it's you know distilled in a different place but you know check it out online they have a good yeah. story online and it's real tasty what I did was I created what's called a um you know what do you call that um how do they do it it was really tasty I made a Kentucky mule which is very popular in the south yes. it's where you mix ginger beer and fruit with bourbon. I just realized we we connected on the Kentucky. Yes, it's always <laughs> about Kentucky, and uh, it, you know we we wanted to tap into those notes today. And uh, the thing about it, because it brings all those wonderful notes together, because you got the you got the fruit, which is what I used today was a medley of berries. So you had raspberry, blackberry, blueberry, and strawberry together, muddled in a wonderful mixing container that Tawana got me for Christmas. Yes. And um, then we added uh, the two parts of bourbon, a half an ounce of lime juice, which you need for the acidity. Two, uh, I used uh, two dashes of the bitters and then ginger beer. It's absolutely delicious. And uh, I'm definitely enjoying it. We're going to post the recipes on, site, on, the, on our social so you'll get to check them out. But I definitely highly recommend it. And, you know, you can just use any bourbon that you like. I'm liking this Brothers and Bond. You'll see more about it on the website or on our social, I should say. Yeah, it was tasty. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good cocktail and it's a great way to celebrate the Oscars. Because we have so much to talk about with that. And we're going to dip into some industry news and talk yes. about that a little bit because we need to get that all out. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it'll it'll just be a moment of your time. But. Yeah. I think I think we, it's necessary. We need to talk about what's happening in, in the it's, industry. It needs to be said. Mm-hmm. So so all right. So industry news. So first of all, there are a few things that Oscar needs to get themselves together. The whole Oscar so white, but like Oscar so misogynistic. Oscar so like you know Hollywood. And I'm sorry, but just doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. It's almost like they're paying favors. Um to those who have who have been in the industry for so long instead of rewarding the craft and stretching outside of the patriarchy to to give a little boost. So I'll start off by just saying, you know, first of all, Babylon's bust. 
was left completely out of the contender race. Now, mind you, Babylon, yes, was has received a few nominations, nominations, excuse me, music, production design, and costumes. All very true, all very necessary. But when you think about, and I'll go into this a little further because I'm reviewing Babylon because I think they were shut out and they deserved an, uh, a review um, because it was a fantastic movie. I, I, how could you not nominate this? I mean, it was done by a fantastic director, uh, Damien Chazelle, who has done a number of other pieces before. Um, and I think Margot Robbie, hello, Brad Pitt, hello. Um, there, there were several others. Damien Chazelle has also done, he did La La Land. He did Whiplash. He did First Man. He did 10 Cloverfield Lane, but he was a writer on that. But I mean, we'll, we'll forgive him for that one. I liked it. Some didn't, but anyway, um, come on, Margot Robbie, you just leave her out. I mean, she blew through this, uh, Olivia Wilde, you had not to mention, um, I'm not sure if he's a newcomer. Diego Calva. Yes, Diego was fantastic. Many Torres. Um, who was the other one we were really? Flea was in it. Who was the other one that we were really big on? The the Spider Man. Yeah, Tobey Maguire. Thank you, Tobey Maguire, who was also really good. There's so many different characters in this, but Margot Robbie by far blew it out the box. So one, boo for you, Oscars. Two, let's move on. Wakanda Forever. Completely left out of the best picture contention, but Avatar and Top Gun are contenders. Yes, a little silly. Not to say that they don't have value. I'm sorry, Avatar has no value. Apart from its technical achievements, it has no value to me. I'm sorry. Um, let's, let's refresh new stories, okay? And do them in a new way. Top Gun, fantastic. Um, nostalgic. Amazing. Give it all the technical award you want to give it because, yes, they deserve that or nominations for that. But as a fan of Tom Cruise, really, you, you're taking up some valuable spots. Like, give, give it a sec. Give it a sec. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, um, so what has not been nominated since 1994 and has now joined uh, a small group of black women is um, Viola Davis. You know, like, Multiple acting nominations has gone to Whoopi Goldberg, Octavia Spencer, and Viola in 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 in, in contending. But you had not have a Best Actress since 1994. Right. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? It it takes Hollywood a long time. And look at the fact that there are no women directors. Oh, oh, I didn't even get there yet. You know, like speaking of women, not one was nominated. For an Oscar this year at all. Case in point, Gina Prince Blywood for The Woman King was entirely shot out of the Oscar nominations. It's a shocking turn for a well received blockbuster. What are we doing? And at one time, many predicted Viola Davis to get a best actor actress con- um contention nod. What happened there? Um for her for her fierce depiction of how do you say that again? A goji leader? Right. In the Woman King. In the Woman King. To this date, not no black woman director has ever received the best director nod. What mm-hmm. are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Look, look, look like things have been changing for a minute when they did uh 
Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker. Wade did Jane Campion for um, Power of the Dog. And then Chloe Zhao, was was she last year? I think she was last year. Yeah, she was last Chloe's, year. Chloe Zhao last year for Nomadland. But so that's it. We're done now. You yeah, know, they'll be done for a few years now. Be, <laughs> These are these are the only women to score Oscar nods since 1927. They've never done this until like the 90s, 2000s. What are we doing? You know, I mean, the would be nominees could be Gina Prince Blywood, Sarah Polly for Women Are Talking, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Do better Oscars. Only seven women have been nominated for Best Director since 1927. Yeah, the numbers are ridiculous. The are you serious? It's just too long. Do better. Okay. Makes no sense. That's that's my industry news. It makes no sense. It was long-winded, but it had to be said. Because really? What are we doing? Are we... You ask us so white, now Oscar don't give a fuck after everybody start complaining? Right. Can we nominate more people so that the 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 reviewing board, the voting, the voting, voting body. body can have a more diverse vote? Right. No. Is that not it? It's not it. We're going to do 17 Scorsese's and Spielberg's, and that's that's all we're going to do? Yeah, that's it. You good? I'm tired of talking about Spielberg and his father obsession. I'm just tired of it. Let this be the last. It won't be. It won't be. But move on, son. I mean, you're a millionaire. Uh, I respect your work, but therapy? (laughs) He's using his films for therapy. No. (laughs) We're not a part of your sessions. I'm, I'm Let's do better. Let's let's be more diverse. Let's 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 branch out more. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. All right. Well let's jump into some movies. Let's jump into some movies. Okay, so You feel good? You all right though? You feel good? I know that you were upset about that. So. I was upset because I think there are very valid filmmakers that are women. Mm-hmm. And being a woman should not should not alienate you from being a part of the voting body. Women are not just romantics. Women do hard-hitting movies that blow your mind. And they're not always stories about women. Right. We don't always want to tell stories about us. We want to tell stories about people. Right. But it's not always a woman's story. They're important. Women-centric stories are absolutely 100% important. But that is not all we talk about. Right. So give us a second in every vast ethnicity, gender representative uh, mark. Yeah, yeah. We deserve it. And just so you know, folks, for uh, Women's History Month in March, we're going to spotlight some great women directors and yes. talk about some of those great movies that have been made already mm-hmm. that may or may not have gotten any kind of shine. But we're going to talk about the women that are doing some great work in the yeah, industry. I think so. I think they deserve it. Yep. All right. So next up, we'll Let's start go. with our uh, with our Oscar contenders. Let's go. Whether for best picture or not. Yeah. Oscar. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'll start off with, with with a couple of my favorites. Uh, Babylon was one, and Tar was the other. Um, so we'll start with Babylon. If you could go anywhere in the whole world, where would you go? I always want to be part of something bigger. Yes. Let's go. Something that lasts, that means something. So Babylon, directed by Damien Chazelle, uh, tells the tale of outside ambition and outrageous excess. 
It traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during the era of unbridled decadence and depravity in the early age of silent Hollywood, right? When the silent Hollywood films were created in the 1920s. Yep. Last time. Yep. <laughs> the very beginning of, say, Oscar mm-hmm. fame, when, when, when the Salznicks of the world took over. Yep. So um, let's see, starring a million people. Let's give you some of the highlights. We got Brad Pitt. We got Gene Smart. We got Olivia Wilde. We got Diego Calva. We've got, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Lucas Haas. Lucas Haas. Tobey Maguire. We have Flea. We have so many. There's so many. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Um, I was really amazed at the amount of work that, uh, that got put into this film. It was extraordinary. The first, I'd say, 10 to 20 minutes will blow your mind. Actually, it will all blow your mind. But that first 10 to 20 minutes, hold on to your seats. Be- and that was before the title sequence That's before the up. title sequence came. It was, it was really amazing. They kind of opened with that title sequence for the um, studio, mm-hmm. which is very old Hollywood. Yeah, And then it just like, Bang! It was like getting shot out of a cannon across a vast space for three hours. And it doesn't feel like three hours. You you sit there and you're on a you're on a thrill ride. Oh, completely, completely. It was it was really crazy. I mean, it really excited me. You know, it it really made me uh, want to make a movie. Yeah. You know, right? It definitely made you want to get get out there and get on the set again it in some you. form. Because they really they really highlighted. The beauty and the chaos of working on a set. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to be a little crazy to want to do movies. I really do <laughs> think that there's a there's a switch that's off somewhere in there because it's a total adventure. It feels like you're on this wide ride, and you know, we thought we were doing bad with sixteen hour days. We're talking about people who are like getting like actually stabbed yeah people died on the set (laughs) people were like running from real fire right real knives real they uh, the 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 excitement of waiting for sunset and run first of all they were hand cranking cameras right because this is the 1920s so hand cranking cameras you're cranking these giant what i can only assume is bolexes back then right because that's the beginning of of real uh, 16 millimeter to eight millimeter. So you're hand cranking. And I was saying to Vaughn as we were watching this, like, how long did you have to crank for a take? Like, at some point you'd be like, I'm exhausted, but I gotta right. keep going. You know, like, it's amazing. I mean, it, it was. You had to have some amazing forearms and, and um, oh, yeah. biceps. Forearms and biceps <laughs> and just fortitude. Right. <laughs> you could never stop. Then at the same time, they had those moments where they were in those uh, camera boxes mm-hmm. that had no air at all, yeah. and you would be to the point of almost death because yeah. you were and so Some drained. people, I'm sure, died from heat exhaustion, oh, yeah. like you, they depicted in the film. Right, 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 because you were so you were so heat stroked, right? So you know, um, I just found like this year's crop of films to be sort of boring. Half of them I liked, and half of them I thought were just Mindless dribble. I'm sorry. It's true. Um, or nostalgic fun. But uh, nostalgic fun is not always Oscar uh, worthy. Um, 
you know, I I just know what it what I know that makes me sound a little snobbish, but you know, I adore this craft and you know, half of the films they chose to honor just weren't worthy of this critical honor. And I think the acting, the background actors, the production design, the sound, the editing just all come together to make this film that they just like like once again to shoot you out of this cannon and just come I can't even imagine the fortitude it took to take take single takes had to be 15 minutes right right i mean it had to take a long long time there was like 100 people in a room mm-hmm. having sex being naked there was a giant elephant there were just music <laughs> there was a whole scene of like just a band and a live band at that. A live band. Music was done live on the set. Exactly as it seemed was in this. Um, the amount of drug use, the amount of like, you know, and of course that's for the movie. But that's what they were doing back then too. Like it was, it was just, it was insane. And I just think, first of all, uh, Margot Robbie and Manny are magnificent, and they were absolutely fucking robbed. Yeah. Diego Calva and, and Margot Rock, they definitely should have been nominated. Because there's there is a tear scene for Margot Robbie. And I don't even know how she got through that tear scene. It's it's insane. Yeah, and they did several takes. Several it. takes. So when you're acting, there is a bit of exhaustion you go through. Um, because it takes actual emotion, right? It takes actual emotion. It takes actual uh, strength. And then you're playing off someone and that person you're playing off of is giving you energy. And it's a feedback of energy back and forth. And then you have to remember your lines at the same time. And if your partner fucks up, you're like, ah. So it's just like, think of the, the frenetic energy on the set. When you see this movie, you will understand there is a great deal of frenetic energy. And she was always on a 10. She was never on a two. She was always on a 10. Brad Pitt, too. Always on a 10. Brad Pitt was excellent, too. Brad Pitt was also excellent. Always on a 10. So it's just like, what happened? Where are we we acknowledging these experiences? This guy, um, Daniel uh, Chazelle, has obviously made a name for himself with his previous films that were nominated. I mean, come on. Just throw him in contention. Like, what are we doing here? Very disappointing in you, Oscar, but amazed by this film. Yeah, I'm so glad I watched it. And you really, if you really think about how it was, you know, how the media portrayed Babylon and how, you know, it flopped at the theaters, because of course it costs a lot of money to make, obviously. But, and you know, a, a movie has to make so many millions of dollars in opening weekend to yeah. be deemed a success, whether it's a good movie or not. You yeah. know, it's all about how much money you can bring in. Yeah. But also, it's 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 also about promotion because they did not spend any money on promotion. Really, mm-hmm. it was just kind of out there. You never really saw a lot of interviews around. No, it. there wasn't a lot. And you know, um, Margot. I feel like Amsterdam got more promotion than it, us. It did, and then also, which she was also in, which she was also in, and she did a fantastic job in that. Yeah. Also, I actually like that too. I don't but, know what they feeding them in Australia, but yeah, she's, she's Shirley, got it. She's Shirley. got it. She's magic, and she's uh, going to be around a wrong. long time. They they just they maybe it's that that what's that what's that thing they put on their bread that's like peanut butter, but it's like, <laughs> that Vegemite. That Vegemite, yeah, it's like 
That that must be acting. Yeah, I don't know juices. what that is, but either way, like I said, just a, it's just a really good, interesting perspective on on the on the game of Hollywood mm-hmm. and what it takes to survive in it, and it's you know the how it's driven by money, yes, and and success and and trying to make it, and people come from all walks of life in, yeah. into the Hollywood scene, yeah. In, in trying to make that. And, you know, we, we see that even in New York. Yeah. You see people coming to New York to be successful in whatever realm of acting and television and music and mm-hmm. fashion. You know, so things, I understand the draw of it. Yeah. You know, most people come from these small towns. And the thing about when the talkies entered the world, you know, people all of a sudden who were very, very famous in the silent movie era yeah. suddenly had to be talking on film and you actually heard their voices and then that would which end their changed career. their careers because yeah. sometimes people had these serious accents like or crazy they couldn't deliver yeah. the dialogue in the way that they wanted them to yeah and it changed the game and it also the, for them. the what what the talkies did was also change how the industry worked and because they had to change so much technology in the movie theaters mm-hmm. and in 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 how you shot a film a lot of films went indoors but they used to be shot yeah. outdoors yeah so then it, it became an, uh, an industry where the studios had to depend on the banks to loan them money to make yes. all these changes, yes. which is also what affected the fact that there were so many women directors back yes. during the silent era. And they showed this in the film. And they shut a lot of those women directors down because the banks did not want to bank on women, women directors. Yeah. So that's where the rise of all these men came into play. Right. Because they didn't believe in the the banks didn't believe and didn't want to fund these movies because they didn't believe in the power of women. Yes, and that's so unfortunate. And we're still dealing with that today because Oscar is a snapshot of what that actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because in the nineteen twenties, women were running. Right, there was houses, so many women. You know, you had Lillian Gish, you had Alice Guy, you had uh, Louise Weber. You had Fatima uh, Bagun. You had Dorothy Arzner. You had so many. Um, and uh, I'm remiss to, to forget uh, what the queer ones were. But they were like, they were making film noir pieces. And they just left them out. They just completely, you know, Dorothy Davenport. They completely left them out of the, out of the industry when they were... They were changing the industry. Right. You know what I mean? And the film industry was one that was open to anybody. More people had an opportunity to do it until it suddenly became a money-making boom, boom, boom industry. Yeah. And yeah. and that was really based off of, you know, men. And mm-hmm. the press. that's how we got the Warner Brothers and Paramount and so on and so forth. Boo to you, Hollywood. Don't follow DeSantis's rule. Follow history and pay attention. And stop pretending it doesn't exist. Because history exists <laughs> and um, you're fucking up. That's really all I can say. You're fucking up. Women have power. Uh, and, and, and people of all the, let's say, oppressed minorities have power and something to say. And if you feel as if you don't need to... Um, to listen, you're wrong. Yeah. That's why, you know. Very interesting. Like I said, I would definitely give Babylon a look. Just if you want to look at, you know, and the, it's free. a little history of film. Some fucking Paramount. It's on Paramount. Get a friend's code. It's not like Netflix. <laughs> you can get a code. 
get a cold somewhere. Try to watch it. It's definitely worth watching. I definitely. really believe you should see it. And um, and what I really liked about it the most for me, what resonated for me was um, Manny's character and how he he rose to power and he started opening up and bringing in people of color. He brought in women and he wanted to yeah. he wanted to infuse it. He yes, he highlighted the uh, uh, the wouldn't they call them the colored pictures? No, the Negroes pictures. Right, they were the Negro pictures of the day where Negro he wanted the spotlight. You know, the African-Americans that were yes. in the industry and the women, and he wanted to yes. make them more powerful. Make them more powerful. And I appreciate that for him being a person of color. And, and you know, because he was he was actually Mexican, he even, was though from, he, even though he had to pretend like he, he was, was from, from Spain. Spain in order to get acknowledged by people because they didn't want to, you know, because this is once again racism. They didn't want to, you know, deal with him as a Mexican man. They would think of him as the helper, somebody to run right. around and do errands and do things. But as he rose to power, mm-hmm. he had to pass as Spanish in order for them to pay mm-hmm. him some attention and yeah, see him exactly. as a powerful force, which says a lot about who America. we are as Americans. But it also speaks to what you have to do, you know, to survive. And he he played his game. He and did. um and, and so I think it's really interesting and there are their characters throughout history. And if you think about the the great Oscar Michaud and what he had to do, yes, you know, to make films as a black man in America during this same time. And I think that it's it's quite interesting that, you know, when you know, instead of hiding from history, we need to look back and really examine it and and think so that we don't make the same mistakes that were made in the past. But you know, what's the next film? Let's talk about the next one. Give it a full five and just go get a code. Go get the trial. Just get the trial and see Babylon. You're good. See Babylon. Just to see Babylon. It's it's worth it's worth it. I promise you. Get some popcorn and a drink. Blow your mind. Um, and you know, for those of you who have partners who are like, fuck these boring ass films, just sit them in front of this one. They like it. <laughs> Thank you for it. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on. And uh, we'll move on to Tar. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tar is many things. Oh, Tawana's been wanting to see this movie all of my life. Because it's a female-driven film. I think I grew old hearing her talk about Tar. And it's directed by Todd Fields. Go ahead, Todd. And, you know, we know Todd Fields from Little Children and on and on. Um, but I, I love a female, uh, lead in a film. I mean, she's also lesbian in this, so throw that in there. You know, I love, I love her representation. So <laughs> this is Tar. Cheers to that. Directed by Todd Field, starring the incomparable Kate Blanchett, um, and a million other people that you are not gonna know, but you'll totally know their faces. People like Mark Strong, uh, Alec Baldwin's voice was in this, don't remember that. Uh, and a, a ton of European um filmmakers and actors. Tar set in the international world of West classical music, the film centers on Lydia Tar widely considered one of the greatest living composer conductors and the very first female director of a major German orchestra. And it all seems great until it falls. What I like about this movie was the craftsmanship of it. 
the story was good. Nice. Intriguing, in fact. You tell me how you feel about the ending. I, however, did not think the ending was where I thought it would be. But I still really love the craftsmanship of it. And Kate Blanchett can do no wrong. She was doing her best, um, as Vaughn would say, Tilda Swinton in this. <laughs> and that's the reason why I couldn't watch it, because I just... Tilda Swinton just makes my skin crawl. I actually like her. She gives me she gives me weird alien vibes, and my Aquarian, I you know, son I loves can't that. Watch ET on screen, <laughs> but but we digress with Bond for a sec, and we say I will speak a lot about the cinematography. So what I really loved a lot about it was its strong use of mezzanine. We've talked about mezzanine before. It means place on stage in film. It means a great deal of the shots were taken place in one shot, in one room, in one space. So there was a lot of car stuff, and it happens without takes. So there's a lot of car. There's a lot of hotel rooms. There's a lot of hallways. There's a lot of um, big, empty, open spaces um, with just Kate or Kate and maybe another character banging it out and just playing around within the space. Really, really love that as a cinematographer. Blows my mind. And you guys have heard me speak about this before. It's a way of looking at film and understanding what is happening within the frame present without a great deal of cuts within that one particular scene. What else I loved about it? love the movement of this film the movement was like a dance it was so nice we followed kate through through these these various speeches heavy heavy dialogue in this movie we follow her as she speaks she's a megalomaniac let's be honest she's a conductor a female lesbian as she would call herself in the movie u-haul lesbian conductor she's a ballsy woman with a suit and she's always taking control so there's a lot of speaking from her and sort of like place in in the room, in the space. But the movement, we it, it just it feels like a dance, right? A dance between the audience and the character. You know, there's an there's an intimacy within within Todd's work, you know. Um that sort of immerses the audience in the film. You know, it's heavy on the dialogue, like I said, but it matches quite well with the cinematography of the film. Um, another thing I really liked, so I'll take a breath. <laughs> so I'm excited. But another thing about the film I like is, um, I really enjoyed the film's muted colors and tones. It was like the whole film was shot in Ikea, but <laughs> I mean, we are in Germany. So, I mean, yes, I know it's not Dutch. But, you know, same sensibilities, I believe. Lots of concrete, lots of muted tones, lots of very pale people. Sorry, I know there are blacks there and browns. But in this movie, there were very minimally, <laughs> if any. <laughs> but it added to the, to, the, to the sense of the color in the film. Um, it helped, the color and the tones helped to strike the mood of the film. Uh there, there was sound was another really important element in this film. Um, sound is a character as well. Uh, there's an intrigue, you know, like I said, as the story unfolds, which, which sound has a great deal 
to do with the intrigue, with the build of it, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a mystery you have to find, you have to sort of figure out, you know, and, and, and then Kate just leads us on this trip with, with a firm hand, you know, um, as she seems to hunt down this, this mystery throughout, um, but you let us know how you thought it unfolded. I will not reveal that to you. I um artistry wise, I give it a four. Um, minus the five because I could use a better rap. Not gonna lie, could have been wrapped up better. But you know, people like a little openness, so maybe that's how where Todd was going. But the beauty of this film was unmistakable and the acting was that oh i'm sure well, well. kate is dynamic anyway oh she knows no bounds she's, she's amazing. dynamic anyway always i'll t- i'll take a look at it if i can find it free somewhere it's free it's free on peacock all right there we go you got my code boo all right i'll watch it it's let's do it i'll do it with you i'll watch it i'll do it with you we'll have we'll have some drinks and then yeah i mean come on kate blue jasmine carol I mean, the aviator. I he, loved her in Carol. So, oh, so good in Carol. She was so good. Another lesbian. She was so good in Carol. just want to say that. This is another lesbian film. But uh, yeah, really good. Nightmare Alley. She was so good in Nightmare Alley. I loved her in Nightmare Alley. She too. was really good in Nightmare Alley. That was Alley. a great film. We also reviewed that. Yes. Mrs. America. Several episodes back. Yeah, she was really good in Mrs. America. Like so many, so many great pieces. Mm-hmm. I say watch it. It's It's on Peacock. Once again, get a code. Okay. If so. you don't already have it. Stop telling people to do illegal things. Oh man, fuck that. Uh, I'm all I'm all about getting away with it if you can. Make it happen. People smoking weed in, in New York City like like it's the seventies. Let's get it popping. Get you get 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 in where you fit in. You just can't do it on Netflix no more. But you know. Right, right. And I'm sure a lot of the other streaming services will follow. We'll get it before they catch up. Mm-hmm. But Vaughn will join us eventually in this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. Um, so I'm what gonna, you got, Vaughn? I'm going to jump into everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. What's happening? I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. <laughs> Crazy film. Tawana's going to give us a little synopsis. I'm going to give you a synopsis Thank right you, now. Everything, everywhere, all at once. A middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure. And when she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have lived. <laughs> Starring and directed by, well, we'll start here. Directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Schreinert. Yes. 
probably mispronouncing. Sorry, Dan. Um, but and they refer to them in many cases as the two Daniels, as the two Dan's, or the right? Daniels. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, starring the incomparable Michelle Yeoh, amazing uh, newcomer Stephanie Hsu, yes. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Ki Hu Kwan. Kiyu Kwan, who you may remember from Goonies, Goonies, Indiana and Jones, Indiana Jones, yes, where he was a little boy, so amazing. He's the, actually, he's fifty one years old now and yes, still doing and his still thing. thanking these guys. Yes, um, James Hong, who is I believe on CBS uh, Good Morning, they said he is one of the oldest yes act, character actors still working. Yes, and he's he's I think he's in his ninety. He now? he I think he's like ninety two. Yeah, and he's he's amazing. This is. This is the latest film he's done, and yeah. and it, it's reminiscent of Big Trouble in Little China, yes. which he was also in. Also in, and um, I, I, who, I this who was doesn't an remember that? This was such an adventure. Um, anybody else you want to tell us about? Before no, I, you're good to go. Before I jump in, shoot it. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. This film is a thrill ride, reminiscent of Babylon. In how it does not stop from the first frame to the last one. This movie will go down in history as a cinema classic. It's already got all the tropes that make a movie. Like I'm talking about Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, loved it. Still talking about that from the 80s. From the 80s with Kurt Russell. Exactly. And Kim Cattrall. And Kim Cattrall. And And I'm going to watch that again. And James Wong. And and, um, watching Kiwi as... Wayman and Evelyn, his wife, and, and and just Jamie Lee Curtis by herself was phenomenal. And I'm gonna tell you something: what this movie says to me, and how they use the the metaverse in in all its metaphoric ways of being told, and it's and take it, remove everything that you know about the metaverse from Marvel, right? Okay. Just take your take your mind away from that. Yes. And if you could go into different spaces and universes where it's a if it's a different representation of yourself, mm-hmm. right? So this is basically how this woman is battling this evil force that's taking over her daughter, and 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 it's gonna destroy the world if if she doesn't do anything about it. And she and as she moves through these metaverses, she meets different versions of herself, very successful versions of herself. And this this movie kind of deals with the plight. That I think a lot of people are dealing with, and especially as we come out of the pandemic, where the pandemic put us in a space where we were very much, you know, inspecting our lives from an internal space mm-hmm. because we were so busy being locked in a in a in your homes. Yeah. So then you had to really do some self-expression inspection. And I think that this movie really kind of capitalizes on that because it's a family trying to save their businesses. They're being audited by the IRS. Mm-hmm. And there's this 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 turmoil. They were like in an existential crisis. Right. Her husband wasn't really happy. Wayman, and he wasn't happy. Then the daughter wasn't happy because she wanted her relationship to be accepted by her her grandfather. She was queer. Yeah, she's a, a lesbian, and she brought her girlfriend to meet the grandfather. And mm-hmm. you know, and it was all in how the mother introduced. She introduced her girlfriend as. Oh, this is her very, very special friend. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of saying 
this is her girlfriend. And so she felt a certain way Similar about Similar trope that. In, in, in queer life. Right. So she felt a certain way about it. She was very angry with her mother. Yeah. And so then throughout the whole film, it's it's all about the, the mother-daughter conflict. It's mm-hmm. about the, the woman and her husband conflict mm-hmm. and just her feeling of herself and how she didn't feel satisfied. Like she was, didn't feel satisfied as a mother. She didn't feel satisfied as a wife. Mm-hmm. She wanted her business to be successful, but she also felt like, her father never saw her as a success. Yeah. So her journey in the metaverse was also seeing herself in, in all the different versions of herself that she saw through her travel through the metaverse. Yes. Every single version of herself, except for the current one that she was living in, was successful. Mm-hmm. So she had to learn something from each place that she went into right. in order to beat this demon and, and save her daughter and the universe. So that was something that was very powerful about this film. Yeah. And once you step away from all of the special effects. Right. And the great fight scenes. You see the existentialness of it. You see all of that. If you really dig into it. Yeah. And what it is to be in a relationship and not really be fulfilled and happy. Mm. And and it really digs into that. And how so many people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about your relationship with your partner or your spouse or your husband or wife or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also about your relationship in your family. In your individual family members. You know, and how you don't necessarily feel fulfilled, appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, or acknowledged. You know, sometimes people just don't feel seen. Yes. And I think that's so important. And this film really digs in that in a cool way. And I'm going to tell you right now. But she reminds me, I'm sorry to interrupt you. She reminds me of... um. And she jumps across the universe. She reminds me of like Evil Dead. Yeah. How he was fighting the evil so it would not interrupt the universe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's yes. that's exactly what you're supposed to feel. Yeah. And and you know what's interesting about it? I think that so many times, because you will not, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to think of a butt plug the same way. Ah! A, a dildo. Because ah! ah! um, these were all used as weapons throughout the film. It. And it will blow your mind yes uh, and even a bagel and everything bagel is a big metaphor in the film <laughs> and i want you That's to fantastic. i want you to really dig into it and suspend your your disbelief and just throw yourself into it yes and and really just kind of really dig into it and even the life of a character like jamie lee curtis's character who was a, a person who was very successful working as an auditor in the IRS and what her life was like, she was receiving all these awards for, you know, bringing the IRS all this money and from people who were not doing their taxes correctly, but she was also destroying lives. But in her life, she was filled because she was, she was a winner. She was successful in her job Yes, and how they depict the workplace and the drabness of it Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. But she was happy in her space with her weird little bob haircut and her funky shape and just yes. just, just so <laughs> odd but she was so happy and in her, her red space shades. right but you know just, so when you really think about it it's really like a a true metaphor of of what life can be yes. and finding happiness and finding inner peace and all these things in your search and 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 building better relationships yes and there was one shot in the film, and I know it's reminiscent of Juan Car Wai. Oh, yes. Where in the mood for love. Yes, love in the mood Because there were some shots where it was her and her husband in one of the metaverse areas. 
that was all shot with that green yeah. background, that little red popping Yeah, that through. silhouette. Yes, there's a the lot of that. beautiful smoke. Oh, and all I could think about was Move for Love, and yeah. I think they really did it intentionally. Yeah. And Do so, yourself a favor and Google that in the Mood for Love and find out. So fantastic. Where you can see it for free. You know. So I think that these, I want people to give it a try. I, yes. I know it, it's, it's not necessarily for everybody. Yeah. But just sit down and try something different. You Experiment know, cause, with film. Because I'm going to watch Tar just because of Tawana's review. Yes. And, and I definitely did not want to see it. And, and I, so, I did not want to see this. And so I'm so, definitely gonna watch this. I really recommend you you give it a try. I will. And um, and then you know these kind of movies to me these movies weave together because I feel the same way about the Banshees of Insurance. The Banshees of Insurance. Call him Sonny Larry. Didn't you? And he used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. Starring Colin Farrell, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Carrie Condon, Pat Short, and on and on. Um, directed by Martin McDonough, who was very proud of them shooting in Ireland. Yes. Um, this is a true Irish film, which is about two lifelong friends who find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Mm-hmm. That's an understatement. That is an understatement. <laughs> this one I did see. <laughs> Okay, folks. Uh, you know, what I loved about this film, and Tawana knows, I'm all about... A hero's journey. I don't know if they necessarily have to be a hero, but it, it's... A coming of age, I'm it's, sorry. It's definitely a coming of age story in reverse. Mm. And, and it's it's one of those things where they were also on a, on a, in a crisis of trying to be the best that they could be in, in searching for that. And um, and this story deals with the breakdown of a friendship mm-hmm. over years of time. And it's one thing that I've learned as a man now in his 50s, that your your friendships change and your friendships evolve. Yes, they do. And sometimes they devolve. Yes, they do. And it, every friendship does not stay the same. No. And I think that- Nor what, should it. And sh- Nor should it. And I think that what this movie really points to, in, and I've, I've been reading articles a lot about men in in between the ages of 25 and 55 mm-hmm. who are really in this crisis of loneliness. Oh, and sick. I think this movie speaks a lot to that. It, it really shines a light on that. Even though this movie was also set in 1920, I think it's between 25 and 28. Mm-hmm. And um, in yeah, Ireland, because it was when the, they were having an initial amount about of civil war in Ireland, right? And um, also set during the same time as you Babylon. know Babylon. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to be said in this. This is a very small town, and somebody who grew up in a small it's an, town. It's an island. Yes, it's it's an island off of off of um, Ireland, and and you really secluded there, and you don't have a lot of people coming in and out of it. 
a lot of strangers. Everybody knows everybody in the town. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the same pub. Everybody goes to the same church. Mm-hmm. Everybody just is just around each other all the time. And um, this this movie really explores the breakdown of a friendship between these two men. And yes. and, and what what's so sad to me is that what I really think about the film was that all of the the older man, Collins Firth, Colin Farrell's Farrell, sorry, I screwed you up. I know you got that in my <laughs> head. I'm sorry. <laughs> Colin Farrell was so busy just trying to have a friend and, and he feeling a sense of loneliness and not really knowing what he was going to do. Like he was a basic farmer. He didn't have a lot of excitement in his life. He lived with his sister mm-hmm. and they just kind of lived a very basic life. Mm-hmm. You know, he worked at the farm and then he went to the pub and had a drink every with his friend every single day, like clockwork. And he would talk about his day with his best friend. And so when the day comes where his best friend decides, you know, I don't want to be your friend anymore. You're boring. Yeah. He literally told him, you're dull. Said, you're dull. He told him to his face, you're dull. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, we're done. And and Colin's character just could not understand. Well, well what do you mean? Did I do something? Did I upset you? Right. You know, throughout the film, he was questioning, what, what can what I do? What makes me dull? Like, what could I do to get you to be my friend again? I didn't. He didn't really see himself as doing anything wrong. Right. But he was really trying to process it. And then everybody in the town because everybody knows everybody in these old small towns, was like, well, why aren't you guys talking to each other? Like, right. why aren't you You friends? guys are best friends. Like, what, what's going on? You can't just stop speaking to a fella. Right, right. And nobody understood it. And they were like, well, did you did you do something to upset him? You like, must be in a fight. Like, people kept questioning him about why your two are not together. Mm-hmm. And so just imagine having that angst of knowing everybody expects you to be together and then you're not. Right. And then the other friend, the the older man, he was also at a different stage in his life. Lisa. He, was, he was over. He mm-hmm. was older than Colin Farrell's character. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was a successful, a successful musician in the town, and he was, you know, he had a business of teaching others how to play the instruments, and um, and he was writing songs, and you know, he just wanted to do something else, and he felt like his life was not being fulfilled because he was spending too much of his time. With and his friend. Don't ask Pedrick. Right. With <laughs> his friend, friend, you know, Colin Farrell's character. So it's just interesting how sometimes you outgrow your friends because you want to be on a different path. And this movie your really delves into you. that. Yeah, your life leads you to something else. Yeah. And and it's hard because sometimes that happens in relationships too, right? Yeah. Romantic relationships. Absolutely. Familial relationships where you're like, no, I'm not like my brother's. Or I'm not like my siblings. Mm -hmm. Or this is fantastic and I really want to share this with you. And your partner's like, no, I'm not interested. And you grow apart. Right. And either you make a decision, well, I'm going to leave my life separate from yours. Or I want to shut this down entirely and go from there. And I guess, you know, Column, Gleason. Yes. (laughs) Just made this decision in a very drastic way. And I'm not even going to tell you. We're what not going to spoil it. I just need you to watch the film. But you know what? What sadly happens is, you know, the sister moves away, and then his life totally changed. Colin Farrell's sister, she moves away because she wants a better life for herself, and yeah. she finds it. Because you know, living in small times, 
town, sometimes you actually have to leave in order to find success for yourself. And I'm yes. one of those people who left. So I understand how sometimes you got to go mm-hmm. in order to make a big change happen in your life. But I remember upon leaving, you know, South Carolina, I often got questions from people there and friends there. Like, why would you leave and turn your life upside down? You have, you know, success in this doing what you do here. But why would you want to change that? And I was like, well, for me, in in my journey, I wanted a different kind of life. Mm-hmm. I wanted a different kind of experience. I wanted a different kind of job. I wanted to right. live in a different kind of environment. And so many people, so many of people are afraid of those kinds of changes. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's for those people who are looking for that, I'm always about, well, go out there and strike out and find it. Right. Because you you never know what's going to happen for you and what success you can find. And why would you just, because in this poor little sad town, literally all people did was wait to die. Yeah. They were literally just, well, I'm just going to live out this little existence and then my death is going to come. Mm. And that was like, I was like, well, who Which would want sad. to have why that? Why would you want, why would you not to? Well, some people, I think for, for some people, they are afraid of the world as it is and they don't want it to, they don't want it to impact them in any way. So when things fail or when things fall, they feel like, oh, well, this is over. Our relationship is over. I can't move forward. Mm-hmm. Jo- I don't want to go to this better job because then I'm afraid. I don't want to change what I've been studying all these years and doing as a profession. I don't want to change to a different profession. But when you're done with that, you have to figure out when life ends and when life begins for you. Right? Yeah. You've changed your job several times. Yeah. You've changed your education several times. Yes. And I've done the same. And yeah. I'm about to do it again. So it's just... When something is done for me, I have to move forward. Sometimes that's difficult, but and I'm sure it's difficult for the listeners as well. But that is the lesson that we're learning in these films. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I follow the universe. Yeah. If the energy is pushing me in a certain direction, mm-hmm. I go with the flow. Go with the flow. Because I know that when you don't, you're going to end up regretting it. It just becomes worse. It is not going to be a happy space. It's not going to be a happy place. Yeah. If you do not follow the lead and, and you know, I'm doing some work now that's taking me in a place that I never expected to be yeah. and never even wanted to be. And now all of a sudden it's opened up a whole new experience for me. And even, even doing this podcast was not something I ever planned on doing. Never thought I'd do it. But I think that, you know, in the fact that we wanted to manifest, our conversations yes. after film school and classes yes. about films that we liked and, and, and yeah. enjoying a beverage together, talking about it. Yeah. You know, I think that it's cool to understand that things change and you evolve. And even this podcast, we're yeah. evolving. Right. You know, and so, and there's going to be a whole lot more. Yes. And I think that um, it's important to see that, you know, the saddest part about this film is that their friendship ultimately turned them into enemies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the characters even said, but well, we're just going to, now we're going to die enemies mm-hmm. where they could have just been friends. But sometimes I think as you, as your friendship changes, sometimes you just have to leave that person alone or change the way you deal with them or or just say, well, you know what? It's just not going to work yeah, out for us like that. Kind of let them fall by the way. Just wayside. let it go. And then, and then you, cause you don't have to be an enemy. You don't have to be an enemy. You don't have to be an enemy just cause you choose not to be their friend. Yes. And so, because I'm I'm a firm believer in letting people go, because there's a lot of energy that's used up in having an enemy and battling yeah. an enemy all the time. Because if you want to leave, just go. Yeah, just you go. You can't force someone to stay. Right. You in, can't. in any regard. 
Yeah. You can actually do that with family. You know what? I just don't like you. Yeah. We, and there are some if we was two people that are toxic. On, yeah. If we were two people on the street, would I be your friend? Mm, probably not. Right. All right. So I'm going to live here and you live over there. I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Right. For them. And that's them, totally them, fine. Them quiet moments where and, I, and that pain, is totally fine. we're paying for two days. And I think that people <laughs> need to understand that you don't necessarily have to stay trapped in a situation no. that you don't feel comfortable with. No. And if you choose to feel comfortable in that, Live your best life Live in it. Live your best life. Live your best life in it. So I recommend, I have to give this a five out of five. Yeah, it was I just a fun film. I loved everything about it. Was it was interesting. I won't call it fun. That's what I said. Well, it was interesting. It was It was something to think about. These are these are thinking films because, you know, unlike yeah, everything all everywhere things. all at once, that was kind of fun. You're like, you that got, because I got some laughs out of that. You were howling. Because I got some real laughs out of that when she goes into the, the hot dog hands universe yes. and all these things, you get some real laughs out of that. And the the dildo battle, I just it's epic. Wow, the dildo battle and the and the power of the butt the, plug. I have to say, will take you to places you wow. never thought you were gonna go. Well, I'll, but, be, um, I'll be there. Such an interesting <laughs> film, but it's it's just please see it. Please give these things a try. And you know, yeah. a lot of times when people see this list of Oscars, they're like, I've never even heard of that movie. Look and find it and Look see and something it. else. Because you know what? You can always watch a Marvel movie. The, the Marvel movies will be around forever. Yeah. Disney's going to have another incarnation of, of uh, Star Wars. Avatar will never and, die. And that god-awful Avatar will keep going because y'all would like to spend your money there. Yeah. But think about some other movies. Open your mind a little bit. Explore different spaces. Yes. And, and what I love about, you know, this film, to, to, to Juana's point, it was shot in Ireland. It showed you a different perspective of that yes. island and the people and the culture. And I think that it's it's always good to look at that. And you, you know, we met an Asian family in everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever get to see people, real other no. types of people that was in America. You know, you get to see other families and that's important too. Mm-hmm. You know, and how family, the family dynamic in reality, yeah. is all the same for everybody. Yeah, agreed. Well, I mean, if you're interested in these films, there are various options for you to see them. Um, Banshees of Inishirin is on HBO Max. Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once probably is pretty vast. And it's in the theater, so go check it if you it's, can. It's still in the theater. But if you are anti-theater right now, there's Apple, there's Prime, and there's Showtime. Yep. So it's available on those. You also have Tar, which I said earlier was on Peacock, and then Babylon is on. Um, it's on Paramount. Paramount. Yep. So um, you know they're out there and they're in there, and I'm sure you got a subscription somewhere. So uh, <laughs> check them out and see. I mean, there is a, a, an entire list, and I would bore you with what they're nominated for. But what's the point? Unless you're geeks like like us, you probably don't care. So just go see the films. That's what we <laughs> want you to films, do yep. is experience things in a different context. Look, I took a beer and I made it with bourbon. Yes, you First did. First time on the show. Our worlds came together. Worlds collide <laughs> and complete and come together. Yes, right. So, you know, we we had a good time watching these. Yes. And we're glad you were here. And if you like this episode, be sure to like Share and follow us on all our social media platforms. That is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud, where we host, Apple Podcasts, yes. and Spotify. Spotify. Um, if you ever want to talk to us, 
Feel free to use the hashtag, hashtag BBM Podcast, or catch us on our social media platforms. Yep. And we'll be happy to take suggestions, likes, follows, shares, whatever you want to do. Just be careful with them Twitter fingers because we have those too. <laughs> but enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Go see some movies Go and have see some, some great drinks. Have some great drinks after with a friend or by yourself. You are your own friend. That's right. Thank you for coming in. This is Beer Bourbon. And a movie. And a movie. See you in March. <laughs> Congratulations to episode 80. 80. Hoping I reach 80 one day. You will. (laughs) 93. Cheers, folks. Cheers.